Yo, welcome to Stars Podcast, the home of Growth Mindset Moment, where we break down the habits, hacks, and protocols the stars use while relentlessly moving forward to maximize our daily potential. If this is your first time, welcome to the fam. If you're a longtime listener, thank you for stopping back. Our guests range from entrepreneurs, C-suite pros, Web3, NFT, and crypto enthusiasts, jujitsu athletes, fitness instructors, mindset coaches, lawyers, and everything in between. They may seem different on the surface. However, when we start to break down the systems they all live by, we quickly realize we're all not so different after all. I'm your host, Ron Jordan, along with my co-host, Alyssa Jordan, coming out of Rosinante Studios in Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. Let's get into the journey. All right, welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Guest for you, but they're not allowed to speak. Yep, <laughs> only me. You have to listen to me the whole time. So we have a a different option today. We are actually at the dinner table, and uh, we have a guest in studio, and very much excited. At dinner table at dinner table. Very much excited to uh, to introduce you all to to Mr. Buzzard over here, and um, yeah, so. Whenever I I put out all of these like videos and everything about the podcast, uh, you had reached out and wanted to be yeah. on the podcast, and I'm curious like what was uh, why do you want to be on the podcast? I like to talk. Okay, about myself <laughs> in particular. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, when when I first met you, you know, oh, how many years ago was that? Like through Taekwondo and all that. Um, I liked what you were doing. Like I liked how you were changing your mindset and just pushing forward. And I thought I thought what a cool opportunity just to come on. And, and rap with you, yeah, you know, and watching you evolve in the last few years of where you guys have, you know, transcended yourself. It's phenomenal. I don't know if I'll actually add anything to it, but I, I, always, I always thought, dang, man, that would be cool to be on that show. So that's kind of that's, awesome. that's kind of why I wanted to be on it. I I gotta tell you, like when I was thinking about you coming on the podcast this morning, I was like, I was like, oh great, like, and I was like, um, I thought of a joke. Or like the foundation of a joke. Right. I don't have a punchline, but it's a lawyer and a mortician walk into a bar. Oh, that's a good one. Someone's not coming out alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, perfect. like yeah. I was thinking about it and I, that's what I was thinking about. But yeah, like um, I remember like you were doing Taekwondo with your boys. Oh, it was a blast. Yeah. Um, and back then, I, I love that you brought up the evolution of the podcast because it's so funny. I love to bring up to... Um, it's so funny how much has changed, and I and and people ask Ron all the time, like, "Oh, are you going to take down those old episodes?" And he's like, "No, no way." It's how can you start? To, how can you tell people to enjoy the journey of your evolution? If you cut off the be- the, the beginning, right? Like that never happened. Yeah, no, that's smart. Yeah, like having the microphones backwards, sitting down in, the, in a basement. <laughs> I think I remember with some D- of those. Our yeah. friend Diaz. Yeah, with uh, yes. yeah, Diaz was there. Yeah, those were good. You had the flags in the background and everything like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, but that's how you start. Right. No one starts at the top. And, and you know, that's the that's a big thing too. That like people get so frustrated because they don't get it. They don't get the stuff. Yeah. Whatever that arbitrary goal is that they have for themselves is like they they set out these big huge goals of like oh I want to have the car or the house or the job or whatever and it's like you got to put in the time that's the yeah you, if you're setting those goals and I'm I'll try not to use all those clichés that everybody already knows right oh it's all good but everybody wants that, well, <laughs> that's why I love it. we all want to be at the top but not I shouldn't say no one or you know it's hard work 
And I think once people realize the effort it takes to be successful, they go, shit, maybe I'll just be, I won't, you know, I'll quit. But, and then people are afraid to fail, but you have to fail in order to get successful as well. I try to teach my 10 year old that all the time. He gets real upset when he, when he's doing something and he doesn't do it perfect the first time. He, he wants to give up and quit. And I guess you have to practice. You know, we did it through baseball. We did it through football. That's part of your journey is learning. You know, you don't actually fail. You just learn to do it a different way, Ooh. right? So it's constantly teaching a 10, well, 8, 9, 10-year-old at that time. Like, it's okay to fail. And you got to mm-hmm. start somewhere. Right. You know, and so you started in your basement. Now, look, we're in your dining room. Yeah, we've moved up a floor. Yeah. We actually, no, actually, and where we usually record I, is up one more floor. Oh, see? Yeah, I was so. on the third floor with, with a window in my eye. I have to come back. I gotta be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll get that we'll get that space a little <laughs> bit more. It's our co-working space, so Which you know. is actually despite popular belief, working really well. That's awesome. Yeah. That's very good. So to dive back into you gotta start somewhere, you have like your evolution has also been inspiring to to me in particular. Just Love when you say that. Thank you. To see, uh, Someone said I could have blow your head up a little bit. Nah, right, right. Um, just to make you like talk more. Right. I'm not impressed just, with you at just all. Just sit here depressed. Why'd I come here? <laughs> They're really putting uh, me down. I'm gonna be the naysayer. Yeah, perfect. You, you have to have it. But where where does where does buzzard start? Oh, you know what? Like, and this is the like the dichotomy. And I just looked that word up before I came. Oh, good. So I have been successful, and I have done a lot of things in in my life, good and bad. But <laughs> I never was motivated to be where I am. It sounds weird. So you know some people, I just have good luck, honestly. And I do work really, really hard at, at my profession at the funeral homes. Yeah. O- obviously, you don't stay successful in your business unless you're doing something right. Um, or very corrupt, one of the two. But I'm trying to do it the right way. Um, oh, you know what? I'm going to interrupt you yeah. because that was something that I was thinking of. Is like you probably have one of the most empathetic, one of the, the, one of the jobs in the world that requires one of a couple things. Either... The ability to truly connect and empathize with the people sure. that you're doing business with. Right on. Or your sociopath. It's a little bit of both, I think. Yeah. Like, you know I'm what not, I mean? Like, no. I was thinking of that. Like, it's. It really is. And I've met a ton of funeral directors in, like, asking about my journey where I used to be the president of the Western Pennsylvania Funeral Directors Association, right? And so I got to meet amazing different funeral directors. But something about a funeral director, it's off. You're yeah, you got to be a little you bit You want to be around dead people. It's weird. And it's not that I want to be around dead people or deceased. It's because of the connection that I meet with the living. Sure. By empathizing with them at a very significant and important time of their life. So yeah. think when, when someone loses a loved one, and you'll see different aspects or like spectrums of grief uh, if they didn't really care about their dad. You know, and you see that all the time. They're, they're not crying. They're not upset. So it's hard to empathize with them because if they don't care. Well, then I really don't care. I feel bad that someone passed away, but sure. that happens to everybody. Uh, but so, like, recently we had a very, very sad um, a young, a young man that was, had everything going for him. He was only 19, engaged, all this. was killed tragically in a car crash. And his mom and dad, his fiance, his two siblings, brother and sister, it was horrendous. I felt so bad for them because you can relate, well, not relate, but empathize with what that mom's feeling, that dad's feeling. Sure. And a lot of times siblings get pushed to the side, no one focuses. I felt so bad for them. So that drains you. I felt, you know, it was really draining um, working with them. I mean, it was an honor. I mean, it was a privilege to help them. But, yeah, that takes a little bit out of you. So so I'll lead into this. And I were distracting from Ron's original question a little bit. But there was something that we've been really talking about and focused on with our other show we do that's linked to the podcast. It's really about setting boundaries that 
um, not only allow you to um, enhance your relationships and for for your own self-worth, but also to protect yourself. So like, what are some of those boundaries you have to put in place in those situations where it can become so incredibly sad? Because we're talking about likely one of the saddest, tragic instances of a, of a person's life no. is to lose someone they love. I, there's, I don't really think there's anything more significant in like our lives than losing a loved one because we're a death denying culture, mm-hmm. right? We don't think about it. We don't really think about it. Oh, we're always trying to get out of it. Get out of it. Yeah. We always want something that's well, not necessarily younger, quicker, faster technology moves on, but people, we age and die or that, that's the, that's the good thing. If we, age or shit die. happens or we get, you know, cancer and die young or right. accidents, this and that. Um, but I'm so used to people dying. Like that boundary doesn't really bother me. Uh, one thing I don't do is give out my cell phone number. That's, <laughs> that's I, period. Yeah. I used to, my dad will still do that. Like, Oh, call Steven. And then he'll give him my cell phone number. And I'm like, damn, it's not that I don't want to communicate with them. Yeah. But for those people, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, when they're grieving and thinking of something, they blow me up. Mm-hmm. And I have to have that boundary with my family from profession. It's something of I course, take yeah. pretty, and uh, pretty seriously. And my family's like my rock. That's kind of like my guiding light because work's such a sad, you know, yeah. profession. Um, and it's very rewarding as well. But so my family's really my guiding light, and my rock. Like they're my sanctuary and safe space. Yeah, you that know? makes sense. I mean, they drive me nuts too, you of know. Course. But that's my safe haven where I feel comfortable. Yeah, I just you know I think I think about that a lot. That you know. I, I will, I'll share this with you. I hate funerals. Yeah, I don't and think anybody likes them. No, but no, I'm like, I'm, but no, like, you know, we have a culture specifically, like everyone knows we're in Western Pennsylvania. Right. So viewings. Yeah. Are like a thing. It is. It's such a strange, even for someone that sells that service, because I mean, I'm in business. You make more money at the long, you know, sure, that's, of course. that's part of it. And there's preparation work, embalming, whatever. Even when I'm there sometimes, I'm like, this is such a bizarre uh, more or cultural like phenomenon like what who wants to look at a dead person no i can't i literally it's can't so do it but i've also seen where people just kind of like and there's nothing wrong with the direct cremation direct cremation sure. you don't get a chance to see the body yeah. right there's instances where it's very important and healthy for people to see the body even if it's just privately like family owned sure but the idea of sitting there all day having people come through and shaking your hand that people you haven't well, seen in seven years it's like, like the receiving line at a wedding yeah like yeah weird it's very weird it's bizarre um yeah it's such a strange but i i have a problem like i avoid them and i'm just curious like the mourning process really this this service that you provide to people you know unless like you have some skill of communing with the dead right Right. you're really providing services to the living the funerals i've always said this the funeral is really for the living not the dead because they've died (laughs) <laughs> they're dead. They're, they don't know. They might know. But You've not received any messages today. Never, never. Okay. Um, I'll tell you a funny. I thought the funeral home was haunted one one time, but the funeral is really for two two aspects of it. It's acknowledgement of someone dying. So yep. it's it's like the realization that dad has died, or mom, or your spouse, or whatnot. And it's a kind of the grieving process is it does work and it does help when the community, close friends and family. I don't mean every Joe but it, it you know. Where they come in and acknowledge the importance of that person towards their family and in yeah. the relevance towards the community. And you go, wow, mom or dad really played, they really were respected and liked by a lot of people. It's kind of, re, it's kind of nice showing, uh, letting the family know that, you, you know, we're not just inhales and exhales. Like we actually have substance in between our existence. 
Yeah. So, you know, you're providing a service to living. And I think sometimes people forget that. Um, what is literally like, what is seriously the biggest challenge that you face in what you do? Like oh, there, there's um, gotta be, there's gotta be like a top three, a, a heavy hitter. Like what's, what's the biggest challenge? Like in past cases or what's challenging in my profession period? Like what's, what's challenging? For you personally. Uh, you know, I'm really good at what I do and I don't really think I, I that sounds conceited. No, no, no. If you no. don't think you're good at what you do, then what's the point of doing right, it, right? right? Yeah. Um, I, the challenges would be. Your I, advertisement would be weird. Like right. I'm actually. I'm really good. I'm not actually really good at what I do. <laughs> right. But I'm a ha I'm a half ass funeral driver. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I overcharge. Stop by. Yeah. Come on in. Um, <laughs> what's uh? What the biggest challenge I would say is being available 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, uh. seven days a week. I don't know when I work. So like right now, someone could die and I get a phone call. Now I, I would finish the podcast, but obviously they're not going anywhere. But now my my day all my my day alternates immediately. So I have to have a uh and just um oh what's that word I'm looking for flexibility I, flexibility uh, and latitude to go any which direction at any time. You know, so that that's a challenge. That is a huge I'm challenge used to it, but it's very challenging. You know? Yeah. Well, I think that that's important for people to acknowledge and recognize about your profession too, because I think that I think the general public can kind of be hard on your profession. Yeah, they like don't get it. Two in the morning, five in the morning. Uh, my son's first birthday, a gentleman passed away that night. The night leading into it, tragically, um, I was up all night. You know, down he, you know, wherever he passed away. Um, I mean, I know where it's at, but you sure, know, of he course. died. Uh, fire department. It was it was a nightmare. And I got home at seven in the morning. You know, and. Went straight into my son. It's a very significant birthday. It's a oh, right. badass, right? So, decorate. So, I never had any time to transition to that. So, yeah. Um, a few beers later, I felt pretty fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> like all right, we're good. Um, that's, that's a, a challenging aspect of it. Sure. You know, uh, just the availability to serve people. They don't think of it's, it's weird, too. They're hiring me. They don't look at it, at it that they're hiring me. It's just something that's expected of me to do. Sure. They don't realize they're actually paying. Well, they, you know, when I give them the bill, they do. But it's just one of those things they don't, you know, call your doctor at two in the morning because you've got a headache. See if they pick up. Or your dentist. Maybe your attorney, you know. Yeah, no. You, you know, right? I'm the only one. The funeral director is the only one that is expected to pick up any time. Yeah. And if I don't, they're pissed. Of course. Yeah. So that's a, that's a strange aspect yeah. of it or challenging. Now, I, I know you do a lot of other stuff, so we won't linger on the funeral director stuff for it's too much longer. It's for a lot of people. They love, it is. I mean, it's weird. They don't know it. It is. But I... I think that like this, this leads into something that I kind of get on a soapbox about as an attorney sure. and you know, I'm corporate now, whatever, I don't do private practice, but, um, it's still something that I try to encourage people on. And I, and I'm, I'm just, I, I know what your position on it's going to be oh. is, um, it's inconvenient. You just talked about our culture and how we were trying to avoid death all the time. And in so doing, we don't plan for it. Correct. And so talk a little bit about what it means when someone has really thoughtfully planned their death Great question. Uh, versus when they don't. Great question. Uh, it's night and day from a funeral director's perspective where someone's taking the time to plan out what they want done when, they're, when they die, yeah. how they're going to pay for it, here's my insurance, as opposed – now, I get it. Some people can't. They died suddenly or tragically. But the difference between the family, when they lose a loved one, that, that don't have to meet me at 9 in the morning to wonder and guess what dad wanted and go through all those uh, questions I have to ask them – Versus the family that dad already had pre-arrangements or pre-plans, it's so easy for them. They don't have to wonder and guess. They can just be there together as a family. So I, it's 
Uh, it's one of those things you don't think about. Usually, typically, elderly are the ones that have prearranged or pre-planned their funerals. Highly, even if you just let your spouse know what you want. Like if something happened to Ron, does he want cremated? Does he want buried? You mm-hmm. know, it's the, certain things you need to talk to your partner about because it will, will happen, happen eventually. eventually. And, and that, that way, way you just have, have it, it makes, makes it a little bit easier. easier. It's, it's a, a good thing, thing to discuss. Yeah, I think, crazy. I think we've decided that we're both going to be trees. Yeah. We're just going to get buried in trees. Yeah, we're going like, to bring I've, back the carbon to the to the yes. earth and call we, it a day. We are like, so here's here's the best part of, of this is like, I'm the worst. We don't have it written down. <laughs> but we've at least talked about it. Yeah, that way, if something would happen, listen, Ron's like, I know what, we didn't write it down, but I know what you want. Right. Like, important. so he actually, what's funny is mm. he... He got really offended with me when we first started talking about it. I'm not dying. No, no, no. No, it's not even that. He got offended with me because I didn't want to be buried with him. And I'm like, I don't want to be buried in general. Right. Especially next to you. Yeah, not even. (laughs) It's just that I. For eternity, get out of here. Listen, I'm one of those people that like seeing. I, I just said I have issues with that whole process. And it's also because I'm extremely empathetic, I'm, a, I'm an empath. I when I go to funerals, I I feel like I need a bath in salt water with sunshine. (laughs) Like I need it all. That's a good quality to have. That means you're a human being and care about others. Absolutely, but it's a lot. Oh sure. So I look at it from the lens of okay. I don't want anyone else who is emotionally situated in the way I am to have to feel that way after my death. So I'm just like, I want you to find the most fabulous picture of me that exists on planet Earth or five, because I'm sure they exist somewhere, right? Get them all. Print them out. Get them all. Have them up. My body will never be displayed to anybody. Burn it. (laughs) Do so. And like, plant that shit somewhere. I love the idea where you know where even you're not being dismissive. I can't think of the right word. You don't like what that. The, the process of grieving or the funeral service, you know, all that, the viewing. Yeah. But even when you're telling me what you want done, you, you're still having a service. Yes, of course. You have to have something. It gives an, op- you know, who cares about the body? It's gone. I, I totally agree with that. But what I heard is the body's not important because it's gone. There's yes. shit there. I'm going to tell you what my mom wants done too. And then put the best looking pictures of me up. I want everybody coming up. Damn, she was, she looks good. Yeah. She looks good. Because honestly, God rest her soul, what, listen, you know? I don't care how good of a job you do, Steven. Yeah. Here's the deal. When dead. someone goes to the funeral, when they walk, it's like, oh, she looks so good. I I'm like, it. you're a fucking liar. Yeah, I'll tell you what. You're a liar. I just, there was a couple <laughs> cases we just had, and I was blown away. Some people embalm better than others, you know, just because if they're on yeah, sure. they are in the hospital, all this other stuff. She looks so fucking good. <laughs> As a, as a corpse. And I, that sounds terrible coming. The, the husband and the family were like, mom has, I love when they tell me this. And it sounds so weird. Mom hasn't looked that good in 20 years. It, <laughs> and I'm like, yes. Yeah. Mission accomplished. Yeah. You know, because seeing them like that, as opposed to in, in the hospital with all the tubes and shit on sure, them, yes. it gives them a little bit of comfortable. Of like, oh, but you're right though. They still look dead. They're not, of course. they're not breathing, but yeah, some look better than others. You have to come, just randomly come to the funeral and that's pay your respects to somebody happening. that you don't know and be like, dang, buzzes do a good body. Listen, I'm, that's never happening. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> just come in. I'm going to trust your judgment. So the last, I swear. Just check my website and you'll see when I, next time I have visiting hours. Just run on through. Sorry, Ron. I, I, he just keeps saying things that keep things. So you talked about like how important the process is for certain people. And I just expressed what part of the process is important to me. And Ron has what's important to him. We all have what's important to us. So we, the message is plan that shit out. Have yeah. the conversations. Definitely have the conversations. Plan it out. I'm not saying you have to prepay it right now. Sure. You know, because it will go up in the future. But at least have that conversation. Put it in the book. And all, 
how many fucking passwords do you guys have to your bank accounts, mutual funds, yes. uh, your crypto? Get that shit down so your spouse knows where it's at. Because yeah. now is like, which life insurance policies, where are all they? Of, it's all so of it. complicated. It's so complicated now. Facebook. And Instagram, then you're traumatized emotionally. And now you're trying to figure out where all this stuff is. Oh, man, absolutely. Like people forget, like you have to file a final tax return. You have to do all, if, you have to have copies of I the death certificate. Year, I still worked in this year. My wife is going to have to pay the, te- you know, it, right. in 2024 because I lived in 2023. It's so complicated. Right. It's so only getting worse. So we're talking about like, so everyone, the message here is you've heard me get on the thing, like plan for your death. This includes your estate planning. This includes your passwords. This includes planning your funeral. Let people know what you want, what you don't want. Um, sometimes maybe you don't know what you want, but at least you know what you don't want. Right, exactly. I, so so get, that, get that down on paper, have that communication, however it works for you. But we were talking about the importance of like what that process is for, for the people. And I would just love to hear your perspective because- I believe that you have a business and a, a profession that was new, uniquely situated during the pandemic where you could no longer provide the services that people even wanted right. because of the limitations of, of what the pandemic had. So what, from your perspective, how did the pandemic and those limitations really, from your point yeah. of view, impact people's grieving process uh, beyond just your business? It was a double-edged sword. It was beautiful, sounds weird, uh, and ter- terrible at the same time. What it did was limited amount of the people in the funeral home. And listen, I'm from Western PA. I mean, we have haulers, right? Yeah, yeah. So the very first call that we had come in, the family, there's the, 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 the lady that passed away, and her husband's still living, and they had like nine kids, and they all have like 30 grandkids, and we were only allowed to have 10 people at the funeral home. Mm. How the fuck am I going to tell these kids are not allowed in when their mom died? So I didn't. But we had this conversation because they all live in a holler together, mm-hmm. and they're all great, awesome people. They understood, so we just re, we just gave it. I don't care how many people came in; it was private. They all lived together and were around, anyways. Right? You know what I'm saying? Um, so we limited it to private services. That way, every the public wasn't coming in because I mm-hmm. couldn't just tell them ten people at a time. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I know I was supposed to, but if, if the uh, you know the well, you have to lead with empathy. Yeah. Right. right? So. <laughs> What it did is we started going through that process of people dying and, well, I mean, people always died, but learning how to regulate the funeral home to provide the services for the people of the ones they wanted versus things that they couldn't have because people were used to having those receiving lines, gathering lines. And then through the beginning of the pandemic, we couldn't. So everything became more private. So that was the bad thing. What the beautiful thing that came out of that was you saw the opportunity for families to really be together and connect as opposed to standing in the line, shaking hands. They really came together and grieved as a family in a unit and in acknowledging the importance of a family yeah. as opposed to just standing there and shaking hands with everybody that came through the funeral home. So that was the, the bad thing was we couldn't provide what they wanted, but at the same time, it really reinforced the importance. And I think people realized how important life is when they had to, when someone died in their family, because we couldn't have that crazy celebration that we're used to. So it made them way more intimate and more beautiful from my perspective. Oh, that's you really saw the families talking and remembering mom or dad as opposed to just sitting in that line for six. Yeah, months, and six, having to hours. talk to people they don't even remember. Exactly. Or oh, like, how did you know? How did met you know? Your dad twelve years ago. Who gives a shit? Right. <laughs> Thanks for coming, though. <laughs> yeah, I haven't talked to your dad in thirty years. I saw he died. I figured I'd stop in and pay my respects. I don't care. You know what? My mom is funny because I want to hear what your mom, you mentioned your mom, so I want to hear what her plans are too. But my mom is the same way. My mom is very kind of like private. Yeah. She doesn't have a lot of friends. Um, the family's kind of disconnected. She's close to 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 me and my sister. Um, but otherwise, she has just said like, she's like, 
when I die, I don't want a bunch of people who haven't had the courtesy to even reach out to ask me how I'm doing sure. for the last 30 years coming and looking at me. Right. I don't blame her. I mean, I, so, I hear that a lot. You know, I, um, I just do it private, family only. Yep. You know, if she wants viewed, because some people do. And if she doesn't, private, private start. I have begged her not to put me through that. So I'm like, listen, if this is really for me, not for you anyway, you're going to be dead. Do you care? Right. Like, no. Can you just not put you me through You know what? It? Here's the thing. Even though you have your final wishes, you're the, there's what's called the right of disposition. Yeah. It's the next of kin. So even if you wanted to be like, say Ron's like, I won't bury you better not bury me, but he dies first. And then you could bury him. It doesn't matter what he wants. Even if you have it prearranged and pre-planned. If you bury me, I'm coming back, back and I will haunt you. haunt you. And you know, I will. I promise I won't bury you. I won't bury you. Awesome. Won't happen. Ooh. You'll be a tree. Okay, well, it's on a recorded podcast, so I just want yes. the public. The, I think it makes when they makes to it this, like if something happens to me to like hold him to task on. Will do. I'm on. I'll wait, and whenever you die, and I see it in the paper, if there's even papers in there, I'll make sure. Yeah, I, I absolutely. For whoever died, like yo. You remember when? <laughs> yeah. Listen. You know, Thirty-eight years ago, when I sat in your dining room, like Buzzard, I haven't <laughs> talked to you since then. Yeah. Like, what the piss? I'm coming to pay my respects. I haven't seen you in 40 years. <laughs> hey, so I wanted to dive into, uh, you. unless you want to, let's, oh, let's talk about your mom real quick. It's, it's not that. She, yeah. I'm going to, she doesn't want cremated, but I'm cremating her anyways, right? Oh. Okay. And then I'm taking her to the beach. Um, when we grew up, and uh, she always liked Thrasher's French fries in Ocean, Ocean City, Maryland. Yeah. So I'm going to feed her to the seagulls with the French um, fries and cremains. Wow. Yeah, she, she doesn't know it yet. But that's what I'm doing. And then, oh. and then Surprise, they, they, um, then the birds will spread the ashes yeah, for you. Poop everywhere, and my mama can be part of the ecosystem in the ocean city. Yeah, that's actually kind of. It's beautiful. I mean, hey, that's, awesome. that's actually a really cool way to like. Maybe I'll do that with yours too, because you love birds so oh, much. I, 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 <laughs> One time we seagulls? were on the boardwalk. <laughs> no, my family are they're assholes. Yeah, I hate seagulls. They are random. I'm afraid they're gonna get in my hair. They poop everywhere. Yeah. They're like they're like almost predatory. They're very like extra. They're extra birds. <laughs> extra birds. They are. They're super extra in terms of their behavior and entire mentality. Like they're entitled little shits. And I and I hate <laughs> them. Get your French fry. I do. Yeah, they're, they're entitled to my food, my French fries, my <laughs> hair, all of it. So these idiots, when we're like Holden was like what? Nine, ten. Maybe. It was like nine or ten. Brielle was just like a munchkin three. And like they thought it was a funny idea to harass me with birds who started like throwing the French fries yes. near me on the boardwalk. Yeah, why not? Traumatizing. You don't like something, that's what yeah. I'm that's what family's okay. for. That's what brothers and sisters, that's what we do. I'm still not okay. Yeah, it's all good. Um, I wanted to dive in a little bit on because you gloating about how good you are at the job, right? right. Um, what... What was it at the beginning? Because I'm sure that you weren't always good at it. Because yeah, as we said at the very beginning of this, we all start from somewhere. Right. I'm curious, how do you get from you know, Penn State to being a funeral director and, and becoming the president of that, um, all of those things? Like, what, what was that process like and sort of the learning curve there as I fix this backdrop? Right. <laughs> I did help catch it. You did. That's that, like, great. Reflexes. Um, the dogs cat, are not, like, not happy like, with like someone sitting in here. still. They're, like, yeah. No, they're on? just sitting still. They're like, Ew. Um, <laughs> I went to, well, I went to Penn state and then I uh, graduated with like a communications degree, uh, another bullshit degree, but I was just there to, you know, whatever. Long story short, I worked in Philadelphia. I was sitting on 76. I worked for a heat, heating and air conditioning company, which was awesome. I had a blast. They gave me a walkie talkie and I was like their dispatcher. <laughs> Literally, I had two interviews out of college. One was uh, with that HVAC company. The other one was for a uh, uh, HR department for like a hospital type. And 
I played the salary game, and then they, I found out that the HVAC company had a walkie-talkie, and I was like, decision. Get a walkie-talkie at work. So that, honest to God, that was my mentality at 22. A walkie-talkie, Monday through Thursday, sign me up. So, Long weekends? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 22, that's important. And um, so I was there. It was awesome. And then I just went, I was sitting on the expressway, and I go, oh, my God, this is killing me. It's killing my soul. Take, I worked like four miles from my house, and it took me an hour traffic so that went to mortuary school in pittsburgh um uh graduated there uh did my internship and then i started working at my dad's you know our funeral home and when you first get there you're how old was i i mean i was i don't know 25 at that time so in your 20s you're selfish so when someone died i'm not ashamed to admit this because like you said the journey right when someone died i remember the steelers were playing maybe the uh uh the packers in the super bowl Right? Someone died right before kickoff, and I was pissed. <laughs> Selfishly. Like, what? I got to go to work now? You know? Um, so, like, the evolution, like, changing, being better. When you're, I was selfish, and, but, you know, now I, you kind of change your mindset. It still pissed me off, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> okay, my game was inconvenienced. My day was inconvenienced. Their day got fucked up because someone just died. Right. So you kind of put that in perspective. But that took a, t- that took a lot of time to learn Dude, I'm in this job to help people, not when it's just convenient for me. Right. So that's like one of those things that have evolved, uh, you know, getting better at, uh, you know, realizing that I'm helping people. Um, I also got better at embalming. You know, what do they what do they say? Fifteen thousand hours to be an expert or something, something like along those lines. You ever hear that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I just got to crack a sex joke, that's, but that's why I'm not an expert at sex. That's a lot of hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I mean. To- Two minutes, you do it a couple times. Yeah, I mean, man, uh, two minutes times a thousand. No, I don't have enough time. Not enough. Still not. Still not there yet. Still not there yet. I don't have enough time. Practice makes perfect, that's though. That's true. Just saying. That's true. Um, all right, back on track. So I've embalmed, I don't know how many, 700 bodies. You know, so the very first one took me four hours to embalm, and I punched a hole in the wall at the funeral home because I was frustrated. It was difficult. It's, it was the first time doing it by myself, not in school. Um, so now it's evolved into just, you know, Practice is practice, repetition. I mean, it sounds boring, but everybody's different. Um, just getting good at what you're doing. I mean, putting the time in and effort. So, do you ever like look at people when they're walking around being like, you're going to be a pain in the ass to involve oh, yeah. when you're dying? Can I be rude? Like, <laughs> no. can I be rude? Like, obesity in America is a huge problem, uh, just on the healthcare system. And I'm not better than anybody. I'm not saying, you know, just, but embalming a heavy person is very difficult. A, you got to remove them, move them. Uh, and then embalming, there's a lot of mass there that you, and then I got to get to the circulatory system. So yeah, that's a big pain, you know. No, I, no, I no offense I, to all the heavy people out no, there. No, I'm just but. saying though, but like, I, how many, how many times has anyone listening ever gotten to like actually talk to a funeral yeah. director when you're not planning a service to ask all these questions? I mean, I. I'm telling yeah. you, like, I, I love that you're giving us this well, information. And this I, is a very unique yeah, perspective. Yeah, I, was thinking, I was thinking about that this morning is like, how many people go about their daily lives and not really understanding what, what jobs are actually happening in your community that you don't know about? That you take for granted until you absolutely need them. Yeah. Like, like the, funeral, the funeral funeral director is definitely one of them. Needed. No one knows what to do if someone just dropped over dead, at, you know, and you're over there. Funeral director comes and gets them. I mean, no one thinks about that. Like, we get them, bring it back to the, the mortuary, talk to the family if they're embalming or not. Or cre- yeah, no one really thinks about us until we're needed, you know. 
sorry. That's all right. It's kind of yeah, hard. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing too is whenever you were talking about, you know, putting this all in perspective. At, initially, you got pissed off because the Packers Steelers uh, game. You know what I mean? But at oh, geez, even worse. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> jeez, double down on that. Sad episode. But I'm then, leaving. then you end up becoming. <laughs> Get out. Better at that. Yeah. You start evolving. You, you're like, oh, shit, I'm actually helping people. Uh, that's my job. Where where does that perspective shift for you? Like what what makes you excited about your position in the community? Oh, good one. Well, like you said, you don't, people don't realize how much they need us until they need us. Um, and you know what? Meeting so many families through the last 15 years that I've been a funeral director – well, you actually build a relationship with them, and it's really exciting. It sounds it's at a terrible time, but they really, especially in a small community where we know everybody. But that's how I know everybody, you know, because I've helped them, serve them. So it's rewarding. I look, I really look forward to. This will sound weird if someone passed away right now that I know, and I already have that relationship built because I built our buried grandpa, or you know, helped them with their mom. It's, it makes it easier for me because I know these people. Mm. I build a relationship with them, and they trust me. I trust yeah, them. I, I want to help them. them. Sure, so that's kind of an awesome. Well, it's taken 15 years, you know, and not, I can't have a, I can't be batting, batting hundred percent. I'm sure I piss people off. Right. Sure. But I still, it's very rewarding to get to know the families. I would be out at Walmart. I'll, seven people come up to me and say hi because I buried their loved one. So there's only one in me. Like, so last year we did like 80 services, right? There's only one in me. I can't remember all the 80 people that died plus all their grandkids and sisters and brothers, you know, but they sure as shit remember me. Right. Right. For better or for worse. So it's kind of nice getting to know people that, you know, and having a relationship with them. And I think that goes back also to building a business in general. Absolutely. You're selling yourself first. You know, you're selling. Yeah. You know, and you can tell you nothing against used car salesmen. I used to sell cars, too. Um, <laughs> you can tell when someone's trying to fuck you over and just get this done, as opposed to someone that's taken a little bit of extra time to help you get the car you want. You know, I don't know why I'm using that allegory, but, you know, car salesman, but um, or analogy or whatever the word is. You can tell when someone's authentic and awesome as opposed to a shit heel and then just trying to yeah. get you in and get you out. Totally. And that and that comes through in the delivery of service. It comes through in the way that you speak with people. And that's I think that's a big reason why people would even come up to you and say hello instead right. of like, pissed, yeah, yeah piss off. I don't want to say like I'm approachable. I'm a people person. Yeah. Is that is that I what laid it. the foundation for your political career? Well, you, you know how I became the mayor? You know how I became the mayor? <laughs> Everyone said just for some context. Um, it, <laughs> You're the mayor of Foxburg, right? I am the mayor right? of Foxburg. Yeah, a lot of economic and redevelopment going on listen, there. You know? Ron and I were married in Foxburg. Oh, that's wild. Fun fact. Oh, I marry people now, too. Yes. Oh, I can, too. Mm-hmm. I'm ordained. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, we have so much in common. Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> just start a side hustle. Uh, just yeah, I know marrying people. I'm gonna. I should start anyway. Um, you know, in all that free was time. Be a bad joke. Anyway, but um, no, but uh, we were married in Foxburg, so I we have ties to Foxburg. Sure. Obviously, like we are. We might as well just live there. Um, we'll register. Dude, I can declare a holiday on your anniversary. That would be great. Wouldn't that be 929. cool? Nine twenty nine. Nine twenty nine. I could just declare like an, a holiday that day. Yes. Nine twenty. This is how what the it Jordans. means to know powerful and yes, influential I'm people. Very important. Yes, very important. Person. No, but like, what what motivated no. you? What motivated motivated it's, you to be the to run for the mayor okay, of Foxburg? Okay, it sounds so un, uh, awesome. There was an ad in the paper. Oh, so I was on. <laughs> I've been on a lot of different boards and stuff like that. Like, I like being. I'm an involved person, right? Yeah. Like I like being involved in my not just the community, but whatever, whatever. Um, 
because people love to bitch and complain, yet they don't want to do course. anything about it, right? You're yeah. like, oh, the sidewalks here suck. All right, well, get on, get on count. Help instead of just bitching, do something about it, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, when I was on the council in Eau Claire, we wrote grants, I took pictures, I measured all the sidewalks, and it took a lot of time. Boom, new sidewalks. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Um, well, it wasn't that easy. Like, boom, I, I got <laughs> them, but it took like a couple years. But, anyways, got got something resolved. resolved there. Sure. So I'm living in Foxburg, and the mayor of Foxburg, Dick Gerard, which is his name, and he was an awesome dude, like the quintessential silver hair, awesome guy. Yeah. Uh, he passed away, unfortunately. Okay. And he was like in his 80s and stuff, but it, he was a cool did dude. Did you do his funeral? I did. So it oh, looked really so weird. you had an inside scoop a little bit, too. <laughs> he passed away. I handled the services. Got it. Okay. And then the funeral director that handled the former mayor's services saw the ad in the paper. Right. And I'm like, shit. Maybe I can I'll, be mayor. I can be mayor. Just show up. All right. So I went to the, like the borough had an opening. They had to fill. And so I went down there. They asked me why I wanted to be mayor. And, uh, you know, well, I, I just buried the other one. I so. literally said that. And I said, no, you know, <laughs> I told him the spiel about being involved. Like, it wasn't bullshit, but, it, you know. Yeah. Well, there was no one else there. It was just me. So they had to appoint me. <laughs> so they I left and they voted on it. And Denny, the president of the council, Denny, came up and she's like, hey, congratulations. You're the mayor of Foxburg. And I was like, shit, it's that easy. isn't that you know what isn't that something is like sometimes it is just about showing up it's just about showing up and like with intention we talk about intentionality all the time and, and sometimes intentions don't matter if it's just it ends up shitty anyhow but sometimes just showing up with the intention like dude i just everybody's yelling about stuff yeah i want to help fix it yeah and th- it's a whole reason why I got onto our planning commission here in Slippery Rock. That's it. Was like, okay, everybody likes to bitch and complain about the roads not being paved and the sidewalks not being done. And literally, like, that's what we're doing. We're right. just infrastructure stuff, that's institutions, and making perfect. sure that things are. And then you have an understanding of, how, you know, what goes how it works. And how it works. Because you don't know, like, as the mayor, I mean, and this is kind of cool too. So I have a, some escapability in when things aren't, like, we just had a road paved and all that. Um, and people, I'm the face of Foxburg as the mayor, um, so people love to complain to me. And, and the public has to complain to somewhere, sure, right? So they complain to me, and that's fine. I don't mind that. And you know, I give them the old political, like, hey, let me look into that. I'll bring it up at council, blah 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 blah. And I do. Um, and there's not that much complaining. Um, but they did post my cell phone number on the website. That pissed me off. Um, <laughs> I think it's still up there. But it, anyways, so much for that boundary with the yeah, cell phone exactly. number, right? Oh. Um, I forgot what I was going to say on that where I was headed. Um, you were talking about people, people like need- to complain. To yeah. you. Oh, right, complain. right. So they don't really like. Even I notice things that weren't awesome in Foxburg. And once you get involved in there, you realize the red tape, the restrictions, and how it, the process works. It just doesn't happen overnight. Like I want to pave. We need new lights. Just buy them. Well, it doesn't work that way unless you have the. And our taxes are so low in Foxburg. There's only 130 people in there. How much money can you make? You know, for infrastructure, for infrastructure, there's nothing. It's a poor community. I'm not saying the people are poor. I'm saying the, the borough, borough is relative. Right, uh, right, because it's small. Because it's small. Right. We don't have a hundred grand to go put new sidewalks and stuff in. So, but you get a lot of people that come to Foxburg, which is like the tourism and right. the aspect of it. It's great. Yeah. There's a lot more things going on there now. I think in the next three to five years, I'm also on the board of directors of and governors of the Foxburg Country Club. That's open to the public, by the way. It will be opening up April first. Come golf and. Uh, <laughs> um, they are putting together, they've raised a million and a half dollars for renovations to put the course back to its original uh, state back in like the 1800s when it first opened, the, you know, Victorian era golf course. And when that gets completed with the hotel, the restaurant being renovated and everything down there, I think Foxburg 
as beautiful <coughs> it is now, it's going to be really, really, it's driving more tourism there. And there's going to be a new boat launch, a park put in. It's going to be awesome. Oh, that's all great. That's great. Yeah. Um, I, I, I encourage people, if you're in Western Pennsylvania, to check out Foxburg. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful site for, for weddings, uh, funerals. Funerals. And, um, it really Ryan. is. It's right. It's right on the Allegheny River, it's beautiful. and there's. I mean, we've done float trips this, to there. The podcast is not sponsored by the Department of Tourism of right. Foxburg. Just, just the mayor. Just, just the mayor. mayor. Uh, it is a great place to go, and you not know, a paid advertiser either. Yeah. yeah. Didn't even get a sheet. Some, some no, it's okay. You guys, you guys are tight on money. It's fine. Put it in the lights. I'll. Uh, what do you call? I'll earmark something. Yeah, but right. honestly, it, you. Whenever we talk about these unsung heroes of our communities, and and not to sing your praises. To, too much, right, but right. there needs to be somebody in those positions that actually gives a shit and wants to do things right. and has a vision. Um, and that's something that we talk about a lot here on the podcast is like with the growth mindset, you need to have some sort of vision as to where you're headed. Yeah, yeah. And as a community leader and involved in so many things, um, that vision that you have, you have to also be able to um, – display that and communicate that and actually to get things done so like where does the i don't want to call it uh, it's more persuasive like where does that persuasion come from for you and has it always been there have you always like found yourself yeah, in those positions the gap in like reading people and i'm not a liar i'm not two-faced if i don't agree with someone i'll just tell them but mm-hmm. i've also had the ability it's not an ability it's not like i'm spider-man you know but I, i've learned to read people because my profession is talking to people and being sure. with people so communicating your ideas and then if you're giving me like positive feedback, well, Steve, you know, Buzz, Steven, whatever you want to call me, you know, about this, I think this should be done first before we do that. I mean, I'm actually listening to them, even if I don't agree with them, but I'm going to listen to what your perspective is. And then I'll just kind of, you know, uh, what do you call that? Uh, double speak back to them, you know, like, you know, and I'll I'll repeat what they have to say. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Repeating back. To it them actually say, imprints and, in your head too. Absolutely. And I kind of remember what they wanted. Uh, but then I can try to help them see things my way. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't, but you know, that's just, that's just discourse. You know? Yeah. That's the nature of, of just communication in general. And, and I'm, I love talking. Like I've said, ask Sarah, my wife, um, she'll be like, dude, shut up. Like I'm, I'm well, a, I mean, I so for context, Sarah is is a yoga instructor. She's actually, yeah. She's got yoga training today in Pittsburgh and yesterday. And she teaches at, I'm not just throwing plugs. She, she's, Teaching in Grove City at Broad Street Yoga. Oh, is she great? And then she's got her own classes in Emleton. Yeah. Um, and she might potentially be moving to a different, like a better spot right now. I, yeah. I, I can't confirm it until the deal's done, but it'll still be in Emleton. But yeah, yeah, she's done great. She, like talking about growing your, she started with zero people. And you know, any, it, it's scary to do something, you know, commitment, just showing up's half the battle yes. with intention. What's your intention? You want to teach yoga? Okay. Like, what's your plan? Well, in three, you know, I want to have more people. I want to have my own place. She's getting that done by, you know, perseverance, hard work, and just some nights no one shows up, and that's disheartening. You know, like, sure. oh, shit, maybe this isn't the right demographic place, location. But you stick it out, and things are growing. She's getting like 15 people a night when she's yeah. there. It takes time. Yeah. It takes time. And uh, what I love about, because um, I know Sarah, um, I've, I've met Sarah, I've talked to Sarah, you you are like more extroverted, oh, for and sure. she's a little bit more introverted. Yeah. She's pleasant, delightful. I love right. her. Um, she also stab you. you she, no, she's no bullshit. <laughs> no, I, That's why I love her. Yeah. I love her. She'll just be like, no, no. She's straight to no. the point. She is straight Which to is the awesome. point. It it is great, but I how like 
when you're this like super extroverted, oh. super talkative, need to like do this all I the time. How my do you feelings, strike, baby? Yeah, you know, how do you? Like, yeah, exactly. So how do you strike the balance? Because clearly it, you've been married it, for a while. Yeah, we've you know you got to figure it out. Uh, what is that? Oh, oh nine? nine, fourteen years. Oh nine, yeah. Um, and uh, I stopped you a little bit. I, that was good. I was like, hey, how right? you know that? Is it oh nine? I think it is. Uh, she wouldn't care if I messed it up. Uh, it, it just works. I've always been this way. She's so laid back. It's, so she knows my personality type. Yeah. Like I like to be the life of the party. I like to be out. I like to be congregating, hanging out, seeing what you're up to, what you're up to. Because I care. It's fun. Yeah. Right? And she. And it's not that she doesn't care what you guys are up to, but she doesn't care what you guys are up to. Not right. me personally. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But she she likes people. But I'm, But when we're at home and stuff, I talk more, talk more, talk more. She puts up with it for so long. And she's like, all right, I'm done. I don't really care about your day that much. I need you yeah. to. I, I, I have, it, I'm setting a boundary yeah. here that I need you to be quiet. Yes, and uh, it just works. Like yeah. I'm used to it. And uh, yeah, you know, sometimes I'll be a baby and be like, "Oh, I was just trying to tell you about my day." And she's like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't care." Yeah, I mean, she cares. I but, love you, but yeah, I, but I don't. I care. don't want to talk about it right now. So it just works. You know? I'll just tell you this: something Sarah does um, in her social media content that I don't even know if she realizes is like one of the. It's the funniest one of the most impactful things I've seen someone do with food oh. is that she puts stuff out there about vegetables and fruits and like whole food, yeah. organic food. She puts it out there and the caption is always eat, eat it. it. Yeah. Eat it. Eat it. Simple. I, eat I'm going to tell you, I love that. You love that. I, I remember it. Oh. I love it. And I enjoy the shit out of oh, it. And I, I, I wish, I wish she would do more of that publicly. That's great. Because no, it, it is it. such a, it is so impactful. It's like, she's not like, I'm not here to convince you of anything. Right. Eat, Eat it. it. This is good. Eat it. Yep. I'm going to tell you said that because that's great because she's just starting to get in. I mean, social media is so powerful, right? So it she is. just started her Instagram account a little yep. bit ago, her Facebook. So for someone that's not, you got to start, got to start somewhere. So she, if you're watching the evolution of, her, at least I do, you know what I mean? Like of her post, the, at least for yoga, she's doing more and yeah. more and more. It takes time. You're getting confidence in yourself. And like one of the things she didn't want to do too much because she didn't really have her own space. Yeah. You know, but she's getting comfortable with it. That's great yeah. that you love the, the the vegetables and all that I stuff. I just Eat think it. it's so important. Like it's so simple. Yeah. But it's powerful. That's great. And it's such of like it's such a reflection of her personality. Totally. That I I have remembered it from the first time she did it. That is great. And um, so eat I it. wanted to make sure I shared that because it's. Uh, I think the first time she typed all... that, she's like, "Eat it." I'm like, "No, you eat it." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't want that shit. Yeah, now but she's like, yeah. she's like, I'm not here to convince you. Yeah, eat, eat it. it. And that's it goes back to the point of her just being straightforward and yeah. to the point. And I'm curious, like, whenever you have those those differing personalities inside of a relationship like you and i have we're very like i can see very much Ron's similarity. so much nicer than me oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I, see. yeah I, mean, I see it yeah yeah i'm not that you're me no <laughs> he's I, de- yeah he's definitely yeah, a lot nicer like, like boom like here's what i feel this is it done. yes yeah. and it's refreshing no. It's refreshing to have that in your life because I'm always of like, oh, how are they gonna feel? Like, uh, what what are we gonna talk about? This, that, and whatever. I need to navigate it this way, and she's just like very cut and dry. These are the facts. What, what else? Need, what, else like, what what more do you need? And I I think that's why you vibe so much right. with that is because like that's that's it. Why I don't need all the other age, stuff. What's all this? Blah 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 blah. blah. Just eat it. Yeah, that's simple. Yeah. So another part of the the conversation that we'd like to have here is, you know, some of the maybe um, 
routines that you get into to maybe is it in the morning you have a routine in the evenings you have a routine or like what what are you doing to keep going because you have to you have to maintain your health to do all these things i don't have a routine because my routine is not routine like i don't know when i work people die you know i I try sarah's very routine she gets up you know the kids the school this blah 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 blah. she meditates gets her work you know she's very good at getting a routine and sticking to it right and and then you alter it and change it a little bit i am horrendous uh (laughs) i've changed my lifestyle in a sense i got i had high cholesterol and I never really paid attention. I've always liked pseudo half-ass workout just so I could say I worked out to maintain. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just to stay a little bit healthy, you know. Um, maybe af- afford me to have that extra beer because I worked out. You know, whatever. Um, but the high cholesterol kind of like changed. I'm like, you know what? I actually got to do something about this. Oh, you're facing your immortality, I'm huh? 40. I don't. Here's the thing. When my sister gets so mad and my wife's like, I don't care if I die. I, I mean, I do. I don't want to leave. Not because of me. I don't want my family to go sure. through life without me right now. The void, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like oh, okay. Who knows I, what's on the other side, man? I'm. I'm I I listen. Kind of cool, right? If, Some of if hey. you go first, if you could like communicate yeah, back, I'm yeah. open. Um, yeah, there's, got, there's something that we'll get. That's a, that's in a whole other discussion. Yeah. There's something else out there. Sure. Whether you know whatever your beliefs are, there's definitely something. You know. Anywho, so dying to me is not that big of a deal, but for. I'm starting to look at it, you know, prolonging it. It's maybe not a bad idea. Yeah. So anyways, my high cholesterol, Chinese, I haven't had red meat. Now I will go back to red meat, but I was looking at my diet and I just never paid attention. Didn't care. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, I'm not overweight. Like I have a naturally high metabolism. I kind of pseudo work out. I went back to look the one week and I'll, one week of my eating habits was like two bacon cheeseburgers. I like at different times I had French fries, fried pickles, chicken, mm-hmm. fried chicken wings. And I thought I was eating healthy because when Sarah's at home preparing meals for us, it's always vegetables, quinoa, this, that. And the other thing, I didn't realize how much of shit I eat. <laughs> and I go, because the doctor's like, do you eat pretty healthy? I was like, yeah. And then, have you but, seen my wife's social media yeah, posts? Have you seen my wife's social media posts? <laughs> so it made me reflect and like kind of look at what uh, the terrible eating habits I have where I convinced myself I was a very healthy eater. Yeah. Right? I was in denial apparently, uh, subconsciously. So my routine has changed. Uh, I'm actually for the last like three weeks have not or you know going into three weeks have not eaten red meat. No, I will. Don't get me wrong. I'm just going to make it more of a reward like that bacon cheeseburger. So I'm I'm not vegan diet. Uh, I've just changed my eating habits to see if I can. And Sarah always laughs at me and makes fun of me. Once I go into something, it's a hundred fucking percent. Yeah. Like if I say we're hiking, like I this is funny. I'll go buy a whole new fucking hiking outfit for that day. Oh yeah. Head to toe. We're so much alike uh, in that I way. Am in. I you should have look... seen it when I started golfing. Oh, Woo! the same. I, I suck at golfing. I want to look, but I look good. I don't want to yeah. look like a tourist. I'm in. Yep. So Sarah's like, she knew I was going to take this. I don't want to call it a diet. This this alternative eating acknowledgement, I guess, for lack of better words. Alternative uh, eating, eating acknowledgement, right? Like That's it. Trademark. And um, <laughs> uh, That's it's so actually political. easier than I thought. Once I'm yeah. right. Once I started thinking about it. Uh, so I've been. Actually, uh, working out five days a week and monitoring what I'm eating, my alternate eating healthy style, whatever. Acknowledgement. Uh, I alternate stay up way too late. I play video games and I drink too much beer. Hey, okay. honesty is, is the best policy. Yeah. And But you know what? That To your point is once you become more conscious of, of your diet, yeah. you start to be like, oh, that whenever you start putting the cheeseburger or whatever, whatever the case may be, yeah. whatever your vice is. And you become conscious of it. That's whenever you start to be like, "Oh shit, I do this all the time." Right? right. Yeah, yeah I, I never, never thought, thought about what I ate. Yeah, I never had to. 
why would I? I mean, you know, yeah. with a, a wife who has social media and it's very healthy. Uh, I just never paid attention to it. Didn't chicken wings? Let's go. Yeah, I Two love wings. In a row? I don't care. Lunch and dinner. Yes, let's go. <laughs> uh, I just didn't realize how much shit I was eating. Yeah. Um. So that was kind of nice. So to answer your question, I'm trying to get more of a routine with eating healthy and getting those workouts in, even if they're only like 20 minutes. You know, 10 minutes of stretching and yoga, and then like a 20 minute little workout. Got to get it in. Do you let your wife teach you yoga? I I try to get her to teach me yoga all the time. And then she's like, hey, I know what you're up to. That's just a bad joke. Like, yeah. uh, I'm like, yeah. come on, let's do yoga. And I just want to see her in a yoga outfit. Yeah, okay. You know, uh, uh, I'm joking. That's, no. that's true, but she knows my mind. Yes. Uh, no, she's, she's very, very good. good. She, she does, does uh, teach me yoga. And I've taken some of her classes. She's yeah. phenomenal. Um, the one-on-one instruction is awesome. So I had lower back issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's just my perfect, you know, jerking sure. around bodies and stuff. Um, she's showed me awesome exercises and they make it like, weird, right? They actually yeah. work and make a difference if you let someone go. Yeah, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. So those are like part of my yoga instructions or uh, in stretching every morning with a little workout. Yeah. So yeah, that's my routine. I'll tell you what, whenever we talk about sort of getting older, I mean, I'm not older by any means, but as you like start to get into thirties, mid thirties, forties, it's like, you got to stretch more. You got to stretch so much more. The recovery is longer. Right. Um, and That's I think it, it's ridiculous. And like the lactic acid buildup is like delayed for some reason. Like I worked out on Monday, but I'm not going to get sore till Wednesday. Weird. I'm like, that, yeah. when the, why did, the, when did that start happening? I don't know. <laughs> but I wanted to feel the soreness like the next yeah, day. Yeah. I want immediate like, gratification. I wanted validated that I pumped some weights yesterday. Right? Yeah. No. Yeah, oh, listen, exactly. Listen, it's the same thing. Like I eat a salad and I'm like, I'm not skinny yet. What has what happened? happened? I just ate a salad. I know. I just ate a salad. Sarah told me to eat it and I did. Yeah, and now. I did. What? Happened. Come on, Sarah. Yeah, this doesn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah, I go Twitter wars with right? Sarah. The uh, stretching's so key. I'm a big golfer because I'm going to live, you know, in Foster in the golf course today. Uh, I noticed, uh, maybe it was like 39 to 40, um, that stretching like when i don't stretch and play golf there's a lot of twisting and torque on your back and yeah. all that uh and in your thighs your hip mobility stretching sarah's always said stretch stretch i'm like i'm what am i old i am yes. stretching's huge you are in Highly, fact, now yeah, in fact yes. i am middle-aged so <laughs> stretching is phenomenal and i think more people need to, to know that yeah i um yeah i call it being soft strong yeah. Is one of the things that yeah. we we talk about. We have this little crew that we we meet on Wednesday mornings, and uh, one of the things that we discuss a lot is about meditation sure. and um, s- stretching and yoga and all these things, okay. like the softer side yeah. of exercise. That all of us big muscular dudes like, oh, I don't want to stretch. That's some bullshit. That's whatever. I'm like, listen, homie, yeah. you should do it. It's great because I bet you feel less shitty after if, you do it. Well, someone that engages in combat for fun. Hmm. You know, with jujitsu, like, like the, the, if, if you, you imagine not stretching, oh my god, I, you'd be torn apart. I'm yeah, assuming. like I've watched your matches and stuff that you put online, online oh, where you just went into the, the you, there wasn't, wasn't enough competitors in your levels. Yeah, you right. You know, how awesome is that? Oh, it was yeah, awesome. He moved, up, he moved up twice, which was three times was actually. Yeah, he lost to a black belt. So, so yeah, crazy. Mm-hmm. But no, but no, I I'll tell you this. Like I'm I'm the worst at stretching. And it's likely because I've set a limit in my mind that I can't do yoga because I'm ADHD. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I can't be in this I one can't spot. Be in this spot for nine seconds. Yes, exactly. This Done. is like too long. Right. And then you want me to breathe and then I'm like making grocery lists. It's like so a real problem. Sometimes. It's yeah. like, oh. 
So, yes. but I've convinced myself that like stretching is yoga and I can't do that because I get bored and distracted. So I'm, I'm being more intentional about incorporating that in mostly out of necessity. Yeah. And it's so much better to at least do it voluntarily and not out of necessity. Um, because as we do get older, I, and I think this is, this is a, a, a fact, but you are more prone to falls as an elderly person totally. due to inflexibility. Absolutely. You don't lift your leg up over the curb <clears throat> enough, right. you know, all that stuff. Yeah, so you're so much more prone to injury in in later adulthood whenever you're when you're inflexible, you're actually more prone to sports like injuries too because you're not appropriately stretched. Um I it it's uh it's more than just getting strong. No, absolutely. Stretching's you know, it, it's a, I can't think of the word. It's just fantastic. And I don't I, that's why I incorporated it in my morning routine. Yeah. You know, even if I just get to stretching and do my half-ass workout so I can say a half-ass workout. I, I, I feel, feel better. better. Right? Tight, I, I can put my shoes and socks on. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you how many of the guys that come into jujitsu, brand new guys, um, and how inflexible their shoulders are, uh, their their hip flexors are insane. Like, I'll just go to, like, do a guard pass, just a simple guard pass, yeah. and I'll have their leg lifted up a little bit more than what you would have uh, sitting in a, sh- in a chair. Right. right. Just, yeah. Just a little bit more. And it's... And they're tapping, like literally tapping because their their hip flexors are so bound up yeah. that they can't even stand their leg being up further than a seat. That's bad. And I'm like, That's and bad. this is, and this is all guys. Everybody. Well, no one all. It's amazing to me how <laughs> inflexible men become. Women, for some reason, it doesn't matter. Like right. their bodies are just like gum bands. Yeah, it's well, wild. Yeah. yeah like you. Yeah, it's designed to be that way. Right. Like their joints, it. Like once you get into jujitsu, no, it's well. I don't know if that's why, but I'll tell you this: just through experience, being able to try to tap out a lady with the same move as you do with a guy, men are way quicker. An arm bar, I can hyperextend ninety percent of women's arms. Their arms like go further than they should. Like they're they're gum bands, and um. But whenever I, I get these guys in there and they, they come in and they're, you know, they're these big, strong guys, you know, they're going to beat my ass or whatever. And then we get into a position and they're like, whoa, 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 tap, 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 tap. And I'm like, you got to stretch. You got to relax. You got to like. Listen to you. Yes. Yes. They have. And now they can like touch their toe to their nose. Just with practice and stretching. Just with practice and stretching. We literally barely stretch. You know what I mean? Like whenever you think about a workout versus our stretch routine. Yeah. It's like five, six minutes yeah. of stretching. Good point. You know, it, yeah. it's not a lot. But it, it adds up. It helps. A little bit each day. Yeah. A little bit each day. Every single day you're going to get a micrometer more. And it adds up over time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. By the time. I, mean, I noticed the difference just from my. You have. Yeah, I'm sure. You know. It's incredible. And it's incredible the quality of life difference sure. as well because now you're not like. Oh, I just pulled my back out. Yeah. Because how many times do we hear like, oh, I pulled my back out? Right. All these guys like having surgery because their backs are all jacked up. And it's like, there's like this, I feel guys that have kind of just given up on the lifestyle, given up on the the working out and giving up on moving forward and doing more. And this is why I think that, yeah, you may do a pseudo workout or whatever you're going to call it. Yeah, right. But you're still doing something. When I say pseudo workout, I actually have a routine. I got it from Mental. You know what I mean? Perfect. It's still a workout. Yeah. It's just not like a 30 minute. 
but it's still, it was like a 20 minute, minute workout. workout. I just, I, I poke fun of that when I say pseudo workout to myself to not make myself take working out so seriously. Sure. Like, you know what it, yes. like it's pseudo workout. It is. It's, it's a specific workout <laughs> for 40 year older, 40 and plus older. Like it said on the magazine cover. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, listen, it just goes to show though that you don't have to like know personal trainers. You don't have right. to know whatever. Like, may, if you pick something up from Men's Health, you pick something up it's from something you read, and you just incorporate it into your daily routine for twenty minutes. That it will, it, it can me, make a change. I, I, I used to always work out. It I mean, doesn't have I've, to be that serious. I've, I've worked out for like most of my adult life. You know, I've, I've gone to the gyms. I've done this. I've done strength. You know, heavy weights. All that. And, you know, and I, there was times where I saw awesome results for putting it in and in and in. And then something happens at the funeral home. Like, you know, once you're out of the routine for a little bit, it's true. Ooh, it's hard to get back in. You know, so I would go back and forth. Uh, and this particular workout, now I don't know how long I'm going to do this particular workout in, but it, like you said, showing up with intent, it makes a difference. That little stretch goes a long ways. So these workouts not only physically make me feel better, because they do, but mentally, I feel better because I did something productive in the morning. Sure. You know? Boom, got my workout done, stretched. What else? Time to play some video games. Yeah. You know, that's a call of duty. It's time. Let's go. COD. Oh man. I got to tell you, I've, I've really enjoyed the conversation <laughs> yeah, today. And, um, awesome. is there anything else that you'd like to get across to the listeners or you want to plug any more of your businesses? Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. The funeral home is so hard to plug. Like no one wants to see me, you know, and it's more, if you die, come, see me. come to me. I, yes, I'll take care of you. I don't know. <laughs> my Western voice. I don't know. If you can never speak like that again, yeah, again right? <laughs> like That's if a, you're going to plug the funeral yeah. home, don't do it like that. Oh man. The only thing I would plug, if you're in the area and want to visit Foxburg, it's a beautiful little town on the Allegheny river. There's a re- restaurant, a winery. Um, uh, there's the golf course, come in, check us out. And there's going to be a lot of economic redevelopment going on there in the next few years. Uh, and if you want to check out yoga, go to at rocks and yoga or at Sarah with yoga on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I appreciate being here because I look at, I like that you guys are progressive and doing something like it's rewarding and exciting to see a couple um, doing something. First, this was all new at one point. You had to be scared. Like you wanted to try something. Let's go for it. And you stuck yeah. with it. How fucking awesome is that? It's scary <laughs> to try new things. Oh, dude. I, and, and it's insane. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so cool to see how far it's come. So it was an honor to be here. I, I liked your, you know, obviously you got to enjoy that journey. And like you said, showing up, sticking it out, like put one foot forward. I mean, that's, I'm not a motivator, but things can be accomplished if you just try. Yeah. 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 And I appreciate you saying, you know, the kind words to us and it has been a quite the journey for you and I, um, just to, I mean, like I was saying earlier about the, the co-working space and doing this together and just doing these things together. I, I think just from a relationship standpoint is you should have together things sure. and you should have not together 100%. things um so i appreciate you just calling that out and um hey, yeah and coming on let me ask you a question so oh, yeah. we'll probably wrap how, no you're good how the turntables right <laughs> being together like doing these things together sure there's gotta be some times where you gotta, have you found it to bring you guys closer i mean obviously you wouldn't be doing i'm sure there's gonna be ups and downs but something you you know in the the, the, the work what 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 i in my opinion and i'll I'll let you give yours. In my opinion, it opens different types of conversations. Yeah. It, it, so, yes, we're already close. Right. But we're having different conversations. That you probably would never have just sitting around watching TV unless Correct. you're facilitating a, a conversation. That's so, cool. So we're able to bring our separate experiences into this format and have different conversations, not only with people like you 
and our other guests, but with one another whenever the mics aren't on. Yeah. And it, what it has led to is a different way of interacting with each other um, and a different way of really evolving um, together. I was asked a question the other day by a friend of mine um, from London who said, like, you know, you you and Ron have been together for a while. We've been together for, what, 13 years, 12, 13 years. I think it's 13 years. Yeah. Um, this will be our 13. Married for 10. And they're like, what's the secret? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know that there's secrets. I don't know that we're at secret level yet. But I will say that the one thing that we have figured out is that when we got together, we knew we weren't going to stay there. Yeah. We both had an understanding that we wanted to evolve and grow. And we made a commitment, whether it was stated or not, that we were going to do that together right. and separately. Yeah. Awesome. So when you make that commitment to one another to support one another through that growth, you can't help but come back together. You hear people say all the time, we grew apart. Oh, they grew apart. Oh, they grew apart. We've been very intentional about growing separately, but having that drive yeah. us back together. And I think that that's probably what this has helped facilitate as well right and is actually a reflection of that commitment and journey. I love it. Yeah, yeah, no, no it's, it's important. important. Like, like you use separate, separate space, space, same space, but having goal. Yeah, no, it's it takes effort. Like you said, what's the, absolutely if I a secret to marriage? You know, I'm not retired. I mean, I'd be retired. You know, if I could right. bottle up. And yeah, exactly. It, it's hard work. It's work. It is. You know, it, it, it takes, takes effort. effort. Just like we were talking about building a business, having friendships, whatever, whatever you want to plug in here, working out, stretching, jujitsu. It's all work. And you got to show up. Mediocre is not in our blood. Right. We don't believe in it. Like we've, we never have. And I think it comes from a place of like scarcity before. Now we have this like more of abundance type sure. of mentality where my, her success doesn't take away from my success and mine doesn't take away from hers. Right. And we know that and, and we, and we lift each other up. You celebrate together. Like yes. you celebrate your accomplishments. You celebrate his accomplishments. That's what it's about. Mm -hmm. I mean, really like, that just showing up's part of it, right? With intent to be better. Mm -hmm. And marriage is a, a journey. Uh, relationships are a journey. So yeah, no, you got to be a part of that. It's you know what? I think it's easy to be lazy. Obviously, oh. obviously. <laughs> I mean, those go not. No right? doubt about I it. Mean, people love to. Yeah, I know we're wrapping this up. But like, do you ever get the people like? Must be nice to have a nice house. Must be nice to have money or a car. Yeah, yeah, it is. Through. It is nice, actually. But you know how much fucking work and effort it takes? Right. But they don't They don't want to put in any effort. You know, it's easy to be lazy and, and, and complacent and complain and bitch about what you have. People anyway. don't really want to see – some people don't really want to see you win either because when they see you win and they see you finding success, and they they have to confront their lack. That, that's it. And like, And it's – and we have experienced that too. We're like, sure. We're like, we're not out here – trying to throw anything in anyone's face but like if 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 the mirror i'm holding up is reflecting something back at you you don't like that's not my that's problem not my that's, yours. that's yours right. you know mm -hmm. and and i think that that's something that's also been instrumental to our growth um together is that when we're seeing something out there and the reflection is not something we enjoy we're like well, i don't like that and we should fix that or right. we should work on that what don't i like a and how do I improve? And then you right. actually do it instead of just complaining. And it's, and it's about accountability. Right. It's about accepting the fact that if I'm seeing something I don't like, then I have something to work on. Right on. Not blaming someone else for it, not blaming him, him not blaming me, but accepting that extreme accountability even in ourselves to be like, hey, I may have received this 
in the wrong way and communicating about it that way. So I, I think that matters a great deal too. That just brings me, I, I'll keep talking all day. So you're going to be like, yo, Buzz, let's wrap this up. Do you ever notice a lack of accountability is getting more and more prevalent? Like with chip kit. I mean, like people, people don't want to be held accountable and blame everybody else anymore. And I don't well, want to be like, feels gross. And like, oh, but that's you know. because here's the thing that I've recognized about that. And I've been talking about this a lot lately. When you have it, when you accept accountability for something, you have to accept that you've gotten something wrong. Right. And, or that you're thinking about something in a way that maybe you're ashamed of. And that's painful. Yeah. That's uncomfortable. It's really hard to look at your perspective on something and been like, wow, that's really fucked up. I was, I was, was I've been so wrong and I may have mistreated someone as a result of it. I may owe someone an apology. I, I may, I may have, I may have based my entire career on thinking about something wrong and that's embarrassing and it's and it causes shame and i think that that's why and i the the next step beyond that those where the growth happens is where you get to take the action and make it right you kind of get to like shove that shame aside and you're like wait a minute i can i can do better now learn from this yeah so i think that that lack of accountability isn't because people don't want to be accountable i think that people have a difficult time reconciling their shame right with taking action. And a lot of times people are just crippled by shame and that's what keeps them from taking that step to make it right. So what I try to do and when I'm in those situations is like, okay, what, how can I help someone facilitate taking the action step to make it right so that they can put that shame aside? I never heard accountability put with the, you know, with shame. And it's like a light, like when you said, like a light bulb just went off in my head. Like, you know, I did something wrong or I'm thinking wrong. It's, I'm, I feel shame. So that, that was actually mind blowing to me. I'm, you know, well, <laughs> well I'm glad I could blow your it's mind. It's actually a bit. something that we, really we talk about all the time because whenever we, we shame ourselves constantly, right. like when something goes wrong, what happens? You feel like this pit in your stomach and then you're like, I'm an idiot. I'm mm-hmm. stupid. I can't believe I did that. You and get then, angry. And yeah, you get angry at yourself. And then it's like, well, nobody else can know that. Because then what do they think of me? Yeah. Let me get defensive and, real quick and, it's and like, then somehow make this your fault so I don't have to think about it yeah. anymore. Yeah. And it's a nasty thing that we start to do in our own heads. And once you put it on the table that says, I made a mistake. Yeah. Figure out, this is like going back to Jocko Willink's book of extreme ownership. And I, I talk about that and I've kind of lived the principles. Right. What did I contribute to this situation that fucked it up? You know, what made it go sideways? How can I fix it so it doesn't happen again? There's always like this thing, like it's okay to make a mistake, but don't make it twice. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't make it twice. And if you make it twice, then you have some real, real questions to answer. Like, did I really learn anything from the first time? And, and then like it, but it's all about treating yourself with the respect inside your own noggin that says, it's okay to make mistakes. We are going to, Absolutely. especially if we put ourselves in these situations where it's all new, like having a kid, having a relationship, having a business, whatever, plug in your thing, yoga, jujitsu, all of it's going to be new at some point and you're going to make mistakes, put it on the table. Yes, it's going to happen. How do we move on yeah. and create a process to move on? I feel on that with. I never thought when I did things wrong. I mean, I always acknowledge I made mistakes, but you know, like you don't just the emotional aspect of it, the shame part of it. And like, that's why it triggered a light bulb. It's embarrassing to make mistakes. Why? 
I mean, why let people know you failed in certain places? I mean, like, I think it drives. I think it drives. And for my kids, like when they get real defensive and mad when they're in trouble. Yeah. Because they feel embarrassed and yes. shame that they made the mistake. Yes. Well, I never put that together. Well, and I think what happens is that shame that we're not confronting and acknowledging is what drives the hmm. division in our country down to politics. Yeah. It's what drives hard pressed decisions about how other people live their lives and whatever the judgment that comes from that and causes people to take like extreme points of view. And it's because if I acknowledge that I, that my perspective might've actually harmed another person's existence, that's hard. Yeah. Or I like people saying like, I may have ex- exercise bias in dealing with a person of color. And that's, that's hard, especially for white people to acknowledge because we don't want to believe that we have any bias any or racism racist, in us. Racial tendencies or bias. Right, exactly. No, no, no. But yeah, no. But you're right. I think that that's seriously that that lack of ability to confront our own shame is what drives the division um, at the highest level from politics to division in our country, all the way down to maybe our relationships with one another. I'm going to go sit in front of the mirror and cry when I get home. <laughs> I'm sad now. I am ashamed that I never realized I was feeling shame. <laughs> Listen, if you're really interested on studies on shame, Brene Brown, I know I, some people think that she's like whatever, but I, I I have appreciated the work that Brene Brown has brought to um, the surface on what it means to experience shame and not be ashamed of it yeah. process through it properly identify whatever the emotion is so that you can actually find the right solution so you can move past it so that's my my well, recommendation I, for yep. Brene. i am that's awesome all right that's it guys hey buzz thank you so much for uh for joining us today hey, yeah, hell yeah this is, great. This is um once we once the the golf course gets up and running i'll have to come up there um i actually have a tag from uh, Foxburg, really? yeah, like from way back. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm a golfer Browns as well. On me, bud. Oh my god, I know <laughs> the mayor of Foxburg. The mayor, said so the mayor. The and I yeah. have a day. Like now, we have a day, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we might have a day now. So oh, awesome. we'll come yeah. up on the day. You said that you were gonna give us a day. Oh yeah, so, you're, yeah, yeah, you did. I totally forgot. <laughs> All right, guys. He forgot already. Politicking. Politicking. All right, everybody. Until next time, enjoy the journey. Take care. Thank you for staying here until the very end. If you would do us a favor and leave a comment or a review wherever you downloaded or streamed this podcast from, that goes a long way to help us spread the word about growth mindset. If you're a Web3 native or looking to get started, you can catch us over at Twitter on Tuesday nights where we host the Twitter Spaces at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard. There are unique surprises for those of you who attend those shows in addition to our podcast here. It's a Rug Radio production. Until next time, enjoy the journey.